Hi there, I'm Tristan and you are listening to the Big Guskin Podcast. One nation, one tribe. This podcast is produced on Treaty 8 territory, the traditional territories of the many First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. We would like to express our gratitude and respect for this land and all those who reside here both past and present. We are all Treaty people, one nation, one tribe. We are excited to introduce our guest today, Cecilia Mujondiwa. Cecilia was born and raised in Zimbabwe. She attended the University of Zimbabwe and obtained a Bachelor of Art Dual Honors in Philosophy and Religion in 2000, before moving to Canada in 2001. We sat down with Cecilia to discuss some of the topics she covers in her book, Beyond Tokenism, Embrace a Sense of Belonging, and Stand Out as an Inclusive Leader. Here's our interview. Yes, so I, I wrote a book. So the full title of the book is Beyond Tokenism, How to Stand Out as an Inclusive Leader and Create a Sense of Belonging. It's a long title. Um, but so the book is basically talking about how um, we can be aware of our own biases, aware of uh, the exclusionary behaviors that we have, and strive to be inclusive in the way we interact and engage with others. So can you tell us more about um, why, what is the importance to belong in a culture or to belong in general? Belonging is something that is within our DNA as human beings. So when we, as humans, we, we come into uh, the world within the social setup of family. And so, as a baby, we are conditioned to feel that the mom is here, the dad is here, or whoever is in the nucleus family there to to make us feel safe and to be accepted for who we are as a little person who is dependent on everybody else to to survive, right? So that, that creates that sense of belonging. Now, uh, as we move into the community, the biggest circle you know, we, we we meet other people from other ethnic tribes or other groups or people from other races or people who are different from us. Now, that's where the challenge is because then, our, and I'll talk about that in, in some other aspects, you know, our brain then gets scared of things or people that are different from us. And that's where we start the us and them and then do not include everybody. And that is why it's important to be aware of how do I, how do I, my own, how do I, myself and my behaviors, how do I include or exclude others? Um, I wanted to ask about, was there a culture shock when you came over to Canada? And were there any biases you had to overcome coming here? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there was a big culture shock. So I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. So Zimbabwe is a small country in uh, Southern Africa was a, a British colony, and then it was called Rhodesia. And so growing up in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, um, most of the people that I saw were like me in terms of the skin color. Uh, then there was a few people that were British and maybe other you know, European nationalities, but we didn't interact as much. So moving to Canada I, 22 years ago now, when I landed in beautiful Montreal, uh, I just felt like I was shipped into another space because I didn't speak the language. 
and the people looked different from me and I was lost. And so the culture shock was not being able to understand the language, but also um, <laughs> the cold. <laughs> I had never seen snow in reality. So actually, when the first snow came, I, I remember I was in the high rise in Montreal and I saw these small flakes coming down and I looked outside and thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'd never seen so many butterflies. Because the things I'd seen in the air in Africa were butterflies, but the I'd seen all colors, you know, yellow, red, but these were all little white butterflies. I thought, oh my goodness. And that is how I, I my my culture shock of the cold. To me, they would look like butterflies, but these butterflies were cold. Um, <laughs> so that was the, the one shock and the food is different. So I'd never tasted a lot of, you know, these artificially you know, mass-produced food. So I thought something had gone wrong with my, my palate, my, my test pads, because I felt as either I was sick or that there was something wrong with the food. That that was my first my first week in Montreal. Uh, and then um, the third, in terms of culture shock, was um, just how it felt to me that people were so individualistic here. I was used to, I grew up where I would just go to my neighbors and play and eat there and come home to sleep. And uh, my parents didn't worry about where I was, what I was doing, but I felt everybody kept to their little house or home. Uh, there was no not much interaction. So a lot of culture shock that I felt. Uh, when you talk about biases, of course, one, <laughs> one of the things, because I didn't speak the language, right? So in Montreal, they'll ask me in French, Paris Francais? And I was I was trained to say me no anglais, and then they will be angry and say and and speak again in French. And I understood later on that they were saying, well, if you don't speak French, why are you here? And um, but I didn't hear it, so I'm thinking, you can be as mad as you want. I just still don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> so the, the, it was very interesting. Even I think when I landed at the airport, because I flew through France. And of course, in France, everything was very French. The French, they are a little different from Quebecois French. So when I landed on, at Doval, then the Pierre airport was called Doval. And um, I went to Burger King because I was hungry. I thought, at least now I can order something because I can talk. <laughs> so I went and ordered a burger. And then the, the lady asked me, is it to go or to stay? I had never heard a statement like that. Then I asked her, I said, to go where? <laughs> she looked at me and just pushed the burger. And she must have thought this is maybe a crazy black woman. I don't know what this girl, what she's saying. But it was just, just the use of words different, right? Because I was, you know, the British way was a takeaway, right? So I'd never heard of to go or to stay, you know, little. <laughs> so the culture shock is a, a whole lot of layers of the use of words. And, you know, the way people... The food that you eat, the the weather, and the values that people have. So I had a lot of uh, big culture shock. Did that also contribute to your understanding of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? It did, uh, and and a lot of that understanding is now more was more in retrospect, right? Because in hindsight, you get to understand a lot of things. Because for me, when I came here, I just thought. So where I came from, I was this very vibrant, young, energetic lady, and I was doing lots of things. And then I came here and I was lost. 
And for me, I just thought that it was because I'd moved to another country. But when I looked back afterwards, I thought, and a lot of this, um, the reflections came in 2020 during COVID. And it was mostly, it came after the George Floyd, you know, murder on May 25th. Uh, then I started to understand what had happened to myself. Because when I was going through some of these pains of feeling excluded or feeling that people have some biases against me, then I, I just realized that, okay, there is, there is a lot that I had gone through without me acknowledging it. So, for example, I, I, I worked in a store here in, in Grand Prairie and um, one of the, you know, when you buy furniture at YISC, you, you pick up at the back. So when I attended the person who came, they must have said something very bad. And the lady that came back, she's like, oh, that's, don't go out there. The person is nasty, nasty, nasty. So I'm like, what happened? And then she said to me, oh, she, he used the N word. And for me, I didn't, I didn't, I was too innocent. I'm like, what is the N word in my bed? N, what is it? So so people would say and do things, and I wasn't always aware that people were being discriminatory or racist or a lot of the things I started just to understand maybe in the last five years. Only the last five years because I thought, so in my in my world, I thought this is what happens when you go to another country. And, and I say this because when, when I was growing up in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe was doing well. So we had... Um, we had people from neighboring countries like Zambia, Malawi, they used to come and look for work. And they were working in the mines, on the farms. And we used to kind of look at them that way too, like, oh, these are people who have come to, you know, look for jobs and they're going to do the law jobs that we don't want to do. So it's something that I actually realized that and when I talk about biases, because we are all biased, right? And and I, I had to. It was a painful realization to to come to to terms with my own biases and how I treated other people before. But it only came with understanding that I'd gone through the same, and it was very painful. The one thing that really interested me on the first parts of the pages that I've read in your book is that. What do you think is the purpose of life? Because you were talking about it. That's a big question. I think that um, most of us, it's a question that we still live through life and die still wondering what is the purpose of life. But I also have realized that uh, we all, like the 8 billion of us in this on this planet, each one of us has a unique purpose because there's no one who is the same as the other person. And so my purpose for life is different from each one of you's purpose in life. And, and, um, and, and one of the, the, the things that really just taught me that lesson in a very uh, strong way was my dad, because I lost my dad on June 20th, 2022, last year. And my dad was uh, a man of the people. And we didn't realize the impact that he had until he passed on, because we were overwhelmed by the people. And we were overwhelmed, and I was particularly overwhelmed by the consistent, uh, you know, the same things that people said about him. For example, that he always made people feel welcome to be who they were. 
whether they were young, old, female, male, rich, poor, my dad always had time. And we used to be annoyed by that because he, he was so friendly. We'd be like, hey, how are you? Come, come have something to eat. And I'm like, why is he giving our food away? Uh, and he would have, you know, like stories for little ones, stories for young people. The young people would come around him and he would tell jokes and all that. And he was just a man of the people. And I learned about purpose. So his purpose was to make other people feel that they matter, that he could see them, he can hear them, they were important. And I also learned about um, inclusion from him. And so the purpose, that led me to ask about what is my purpose in life? And I, I strongly believe that my purpose in life is to bring to the world this reality that as a human, as human beings, we are one human race. Uh, and that, and I strongly believe that as long as we don't understand and embrace that we are not yet civilized, you know, we can fly planes, we can go to the moon, we can do all the things we do. But as long as we don't understand that we are one human race that is supposed to share this uh, same planet Earth, you know, that we have a shared space for a purpose. Otherwise, we would have had maybe Asians or Mars, black people and Jupiter. <laughs> but we, <laughs> we just share the same space. There's a reason for that. You know, and, and I, I, I've said also that um, one of the things that I feel strongly about is that... Um, you know, these are differences that we emphasize uh, or every day. They are really artificial, right? Because I'm yet to meet a human being who doesn't want to feel loved, who doesn't want to have a sense of belonging, who doesn't have white and, uh, and red blood cells. I, I'm yet to meet one with pink or black. But we, we have the basics that makes us human are the same. We all have a heart, you know, unless you're born with some disabilities, we have the same vital organs and that should really tell us that, you know, we, we are one human race. So, so purpose for me is just finding that which you are passionate about and knowing that you, I, I can, I can only, you know, share this message as me and no one can share it the same way as I do. So that's what I think about purpose. When it comes to diversity, um, I want to run my own business in the future. How can we take steps to in be more inclusive in our mission and our values? Mm, that's a really good question. So, so diversity is a broad term, right? And uh, it means different things to different people. It actually evokes different emotions for some people, for a lot of us. So for some people, they are like, I don't, know, don't go there. I don't want to talk about But here's what I think and believe, you know what? Our humanity and our, you know, the life around us is based on diversity. So I referenced earlier on that, you know, we have different planets. There's no one planet that is the same. If we come closer to ourselves, no, our human body, the eyes are not the same as the, the nose, no, the ears, you know, these differences and all those differences have a purpose, right? And so diversity is just about celebrate, acknowledging those differences and celebrating them. And also making, you know, respecting the different functions that people have. So I, I, I'm going to Texas next week. I'm going to talk at a women's conference. And I was just looking at um, the history of feminism where at first women were thinking, we're, we're, we're advocating that we are the same as men. We are not. 
you know, we're uniquely women and we function differently. Uh, we need to be respected, yes. Uh, and so diversity is about acknowledging our, our, the differences that we have and, and also respecting those differences. So um, myself being black, uh, you, some of you being indigenous, others being women, others being men, others being LBGTQ, all the, the things that make us different, right? And then there's more to diversity because there's a lot more that we can't even see uh, in a person, right? So, so, you know, when you talk about business, myself being a business person, one of the things that I have built my law firm on is I want to practice law differently. So I, I practice what we call heart-centered law. So I, I do get clients from all walks of life. Um, I get clients who don't make a lot of money. Um, then, then because the us lawyers have a bad rap for being, you know, money centered, right? <laughs> so the diversity for me is, uh, meeting people where they are and, uh, serving people in a fair and just way so that, that when you do business, you, you when you think about that, that your business should be based on serving people, uh, no matter what their background is, then you'll be successful in your business. Um, I guess my values for running my business would be the only person who's going to remember you working late and working overtime are going to be your children and your family. And I believe that people should go spend more time with their relationships. That is awesome. And that sounds like you, you have a message for me. It's something I'm learning to do. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that is what matters at the end of the day, right? Um, it will be, you know, those family experiences, those memories. Um, I was listening to Kara sharing about her mom. Uh, one of the powerful things that I remember from the first story that she told me, Kara, was how your mom cared about everybody despite of where they came from. And so... That is what she's remembered for. Is humbleness required for understanding uh, diversity and inclusion? Yes. Humility is a big part. And in, in fact, this is, <laughs> I've caught myself many times where I have been humbled. I had to eat my own, my the humble pie. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things about bias is that we are all biased, right? So, and I give some examples in the book where, I thought, you know what? I talk about diversity. I accept everybody. And then I was on a flight sitting next to a Muslim woman who had a hijab. Not just a hijab, but, she, you know, they they had everything covered except for the eyes. And this was a 14-hour flight from Vancouver to Auckland. And my mind could not just but help think about, it. I hope you have no bomb under you. <laughs> right? And then I had to had to really interrogate and challenge my mind to say, why am I thinking that? So I traveled to Canada two weeks after the 9-11 event. And on my flight, that's all I was thinking about. I hope this, this, this plane will fly and land safely, right? So then for me, I was like, okay, how do I challenge that bias that is cropping up in me and making me have an uncomfortable flight. I have 14 hours. So I said, no, let me just have conversation with this lady. And we had a beautiful conversation. 
and and that's how we you know we that's how I've been humbled to think about okay I do have the biases that and everyone does have bias the difference is awareness so when you uh, when we, I become aware of my bias how do I deal with them or mitigate the bias right so for example I come from a country that where you are not allowed legally you can't be gay or lesbian in Zimbabwe you will be jailed for it so and then I was raised Catholic so you can imagine those two played into me and I, I just didn't have the I think it was fear what we call them the fear uh, the phobias of uh, gay and lesbi lesbian people and so it took me intentional effort to talk to people who are gay and lesbian and transgender to understand who they are, uh, what their struggles are, and for the most part to realize that they just have, uh, they're just human beings like me who also want to be loved. So it's pretty much just trying to create a lot of exposure, exposure in which in the, because I mean, even especially for me, um, I grew up in a place where I really loved watching Powerpuff Girls, but I would usually get teased by my uncles because it's a female show, but they never asked me, like, why am I watching a female show? They're, that's what they label it. They call me gay for it, but the reason why I actually watch Powerpuff Girls is because they beat up bad people. Um, pretty much, um, it's just creating a lot of exposure on the things that are pretty much what society deemed as something that is bad. Rather than it's kind of like asking why to a no question. It's like, uh, say if your parents or a parent so says no to something, but the child would rather ask, why wouldn't I do it? Like, why shouldn't I do it? It's, it's asking, it's pretty much like giving more understanding in which there is reason behind why should I be afraid? Why shouldn't I do it? Why shouldn't I touch the hot stove that's burning right on top of the burner right there and yeah 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 it's having a curious and open mind um so one of the stories i also tell is um when i moved from montreal to kenmo um which was at that time beautiful kenmo but i didn't see the mountains because i was looking for the big city um so i i i flew into calgary took the bumps airport the shuttle from the airport to bump so when traveling uh, on the on the shuttle by when you pass by Chief Chiniki there, if you travel there, then of course I'm not shy, right? So I asked this guy next to me, I'm like, who lives in the who lives in the bush? I see those houses, they remind me of Africa. And this guy turned to me and said, Oh, these are Aboriginal people. So this was right around 2003 when we still use the term Aboriginal. These are Aboriginal people. Do you know them? I said, No. He's like, Okay, you should be careful. They are quite dangerous. Stigma. And I thought, oh, she's like, yuck. So if you are going to live in Canmore, when you travel between here and Calgary, you need to be careful, don't stop. So then so I went around my work and my, my job in Canmore until one day I was asked to go and give a vacuum to a matey girl. I'd never heard of the term matey. So I said to my supervisor, who was Filipino at the time, I said, hey, who's, what's matey? And she said, it's Aboriginal. I said, oh, you want me to go and give it to an Aboriginal person? They'll kill me. <laughs> because that's what I was told, right? They were dangerous. So 
very interesting how people can also feed into the stereotypes that they have. I was a newcomer to Canada, and this is what I was told about Indigenous people. So the curiosity afterwards for me was, I really want to understand these Indigenous people. And what I discovered actually was that a lot of the Indigenous cultures have affinity with African cultures. So we do have medicine pouches, at least where I grew up. We do have smudging ceremonies. We do have sun dancing activities. So I have been very curious about that. And it's something that I really want to research into to say, we must have a lot of um, something in common in terms of origins that we Yeah, (laughs) because we lived off the land too. Like I was taught when I was growing up that when you come to, we used to have wild fruit. So you pick the ones that are on the ground because that's what the ancestors have given you. You leave the ones on the trees for the next person. Or when an animal was killed, we would share, just like the indigenous people do here. So very interesting how, uh, like you say, you know, we have to remain curious and be open and challenge the stereotypes that we are, you know, brought up to believe. Do you have any questions for us? Yes. So my question, because uh, I, I take this as a privilege to talk to young people because I think that the future is in the young people. So while we struggle with a lot, like right, right now our world is very much polarized. There's so much division. There's so much hatred. There's so much um, us and them. So, But I believe that the young people don't want that, you know, so what are you so what are you doing to kind of overcome some of these and bring that inclusion and bring create that sense of belonging uh in your own generation For me I just try to just like as you said earlier just to stay curious about everything because pretty much even for the indigenous people I never really understood about anything indigenous when I came here in Canada, all I heard from my, well, people that was kind of like taking care of me for my five months of stay here with my caretakers, I guess I'd call them, but pretty much they just call them kind of like privileged. And then when I actually asked someone that is indigenous, it's not really something like pretty much the government does quote unquote give them money, but it's not enough to live off of anything or anything like that. Whereas um, even for a lot of Filipinos, which kind of doesn't make sense because learning about history, about Aboriginal people, this all of Canada belongs to them. So they have all the, they should have a lot of uh, privileges and stuff like that. There's a very big fraction of this world that does, that's really narrow minded to the point that it, Whatever you feed in their brain gets stuck in their brain. They're never going to stay curious. Like, say, if this carpet is black, this they're just going to say black. Oh, they're not going to argue that it's gray. They're just going to think, oh, no, this is black. That's not gray. And people will just have to, because just like me, everything I've created about myself is I started to question everything. Like, what's the purpose of life? What is everyone's purpose, to be honest? Or why should I be thinking about this, about something like this just because they're created like this i mean like i didn't even choose to be filipino i didn't choose to be brown i didn't choose to exist in general but why is it the fact that i'm already kind of like stigmatized for a lot of people but i mean i don't even live 
even close to as what a person from my country would live as because like I'm already kind of like a mixture of a lot of cultures whereas I've already done to gone to like a lot of uh round dances with indigenous people I've been also called Dene Cree Inuit as well that's why I call myself the brown imposter because I don't say anything against it I'm kind of proud that they're calling me some someone that is indigenous because I find it as something that's kind of like honoring in a way but it just irritates me how people are just always saying these bad things but they haven't even seen it yet they have never seen the statistical structure of it like what's the percentage of what you think this uh, stigma actually is if you don't have any proof of it why not just tape your mouth and actually go to those round dances and actually observe for yourself rather than just saying oh those people are bad people there's just not a lot of curious people in the world anymore that's why there's a lot of stigma around even on racist that's why uh, the moment that everyone actually starts becoming curious about something just in my opinion it could be the key to remove all of the stigma and actually have a consistent inclusion amongst everyone among our differences and mindsets and even preferences in life as well i think i really advocate for an understanding as why these stereotypes exist why people say these harsh things uh mainly because it's a reflection of themselves but i also advocate for an understanding of generational trauma going out into these cultures and understanding what they've been through why this trauma is being carried from family to family and like once you start asking them questions once you start to hear their stories you'll really get a broad view of every other culture and their stereotypes i remember my first job uh i was i was blamed for theft in the store from my manager and yeah i just told him i wasn't having it having it and i left like that's not okay just to assume that without any yeah without any proof and to add on to your generational trauma um, my father, he was a residential school survivor and he, just his stories really had an impact on the way I perceive Caucasians and Catholics. It really bothered me what had happened to him while he was in residential school. I know it affected a lot of families and where I'm from, uh, Sucker Creek, a lot of my family members, you can see how the trauma reflects in them and how it I guess how it like shows during their life. I guess I don't really want other people to feel that way. And I want to stay curious and I want to ask questions and I want to make sure people feel heard and feel like they belong. And also the thing that I, so the funny part about learning a lot about mental health and even psychology is that your brain doesn't actually develop the moment that you are born. Your brain actually starts developing the moment that you're inside the womb versus like if your mother experiences a lot of stress while you're in the womb you actually suffer a lot of damages that's why like in like I was actually questioning myself where it's like why do people in my country would always say oh she's pregnant you shouldn't stress her out or anything like that 
or she's gonna have a miscarriage or something like that and it's like what's the connection for that and then while I was listening to Dr. Gabor Mate when he was talking about your brain actually doesn't develop the moment that you're born it develops even while you're still in the womb it's like oh okay that makes a lot of sense because like even for the generational trauma so say someone is experiencing or still getting triggered by their PTSD while they're having their children that's affecting the baby because pretty much the mother is still experiencing a lot of stress and that's causing a lot of stress in the child as well in which it could pose a risk to even have a potential well mental illness already before the baby is actually already born so there just has to be a lot of ways to make a lot of people to be included in ways where everybody just has to like remove everything remove every stigma the moment that you're actually going to be talking to someone that you'll know that you have any stigma on because even in the cartoon that I'm actually watching like it's uh, adventure time but there's just this one quote from one of the characters there uh, princess bubblegum where she talked about how you don't need to understand them you just have to respect them and that one sentence right there is like huh that makes a lot of sense like this is a kid show why is it making me realize a lot of things <laughs> and then pretty much that code just stuck out to my mind where it's like i'm already hating this one person because of this but i'm also realizing that i didn't i don't really know like what their life was that turned them into this maybe i could ask and understand them more this is about being curious rather than posing them as something that is bad like oh don't talk to him is like crazy or something like that like even like when i was talking about uh mental health in the philippines like if someone is actually having a bad day like oh you should leave him alone is crying and having like a tantrum like no that's the worst thing that you can do is to leave someone alone if they're having a tantrum like you wouldn't even know like once you actually talk to them that's when you're actually gonna know like what they're going through it's just understanding them more that that's very hopeful because like i said i think the future is now the future is in our young people and uh, so i'm really encouraged to hear you talk about you know generational trauma talk about you know uh your father's experiences in the residential schools and 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 what you're talking about uh in terms of uh you know, respecting people and just hearing them and be there and, you know, seeing them. Because as human beings, I think we all yearn to be seen and heard for who we are, not who we sh somebody else wants us to be. And that's what relates to masking. That uh, So for me, um, I spent a lot of time masking and I didn't know why I was tired at the end of the day. Because for the most part in my jobs, I've been mostly the only black person. I still am the only black person in, 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 in my work where I am at a leadership, in a leadership role. And so I, <laughs> when I think of it now, I can laugh, not because it was, it's good, but because I didn't know I was doing it. So I never used to drink alcohol. And so whenever we, we had, so we had lots of meetings and people would laugh at me ordering juice or water. And so I, I made an effort to go and learn the names of blinds because I didn't even know how to order because I didn't even know the name. So I had to find some sweeter wines so we're not too bitter. 
to fit in you know, so that I'm like my colleagues. And then I have an accent. I was born in Zimbabwe. I spoke Shona. And so my accent will never change. But also what I realized was that I was, I was working hard in the background because I would translate from Shona into English. And I was very careful about not mispronouncing or saying the wrong words. And so again, working so hard to fit into this uh, group that I was with. And um, so uh, until a, a friend of mine said to me, oh, you, you have gone to the other side now. You, you, you act like white people. You eat soup for your lunch. and Eating cereal. And, and salad. <laughs> and I said, wow, 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 interesting. Uh, while I, I also believe that because I made a choice to come to this country, it's also important to integrate, but it's not, it's not good to mask and to be somebody else in order to fit in. Um, and it only took, it took me a long time to realize that and to, to say, I'm going to show up as me in Cecilia and it's okay. And a lot of the masking people do is because we are afraid when you're new to the country, especially for newcomers, you're afraid that you lose your job. You're afraid that you might be sent back home. You have no immigration papers. You're afraid there's so much fear that makes you just want to fit in or just lie under the radar and and not be noticed. And so it, it's, a, it's a lot. But like I said, I'm, I'm really encouraged by yourselves as young people that you have the courage to be who you are. Uh, Brené Brown, she's one of the people I listen to. She said that um, one of the, and I think she learned it from Maya Angelou, she said that she believes that when we are ourselves, we have the courage to stand alone and not be afraid to be who we are, not be afraid to be alone. And so that's one of the things that are, that makes me now feel confident to challenge the things I want to challenge in a respectful way and feel confident to stand for the things I believe strongly in. I have a five-year-old, soon-to-be-five-year-old daughter. I hope that she can have, she can be accepted for who she is. Because she came home one day from preschool experience and she said, Mom, I want to be white and I want to have blue eyes. And so I was taken aback, even though <laughs> this is the work I do. I talk about diversity all the time. I'm a lawyer, I'm this, but that really just cut deep. So I said to her, so what color are you, Mia? And she said, I'm brown. And I said, so what's wrong with being brown? She just said, no, but I, I, to be more beautiful, I want to be white and have blue eyes. Four-year-old. So those are some of the things that I, I feel strongly that we need to create that world where people can be themselves and and feel okay to be who they are and not have the pressure of being something else that they are not. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Piaguskan Podcast. If you like our content, please make sure to leave a review, press the follow button, or share our link on your social media platforms. Every little bit helps.